Hi, I'm Kathy Clabby, Associate Editor at American Scientist Magazine. Welcome to our Pizza Lunch podcast, where we interview scientists who give lectures at our offices in North Carolina. Emily Bernhardt is an ecologist at Duke University. She studies how surface coal mining is changing the central Appalachian Mountains, one of the most biologically diverse places in North America. This mining removes trees, soils, and coal from mountains. It also releases toxic ions and trace metals into nearby streams. Biodiversity is declining below the mines. I began by asking Bernhardt to describe the central Appalachian region. Well, the Central Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest mountains on Earth. Um, they're incredibly uh, biologically diverse, uh, real hot spots for diversity of a whole variety of aquatic species and of global importance for salamanders and, and mussels. So they're a really interesting place for biologists to spend time. They're also beautiful, as anyone who's ever hiked there knows. My research interests are really about how what humans do on the landscape ultimately leads to changes in water quality and the health of aquatic ecosystems because streams and rivers sit at the low points in the landscape, and so everything that we do up high ends up having some impact down low. And mountaintop mining is an extreme example of watershed change in which the entire watershed is in fact converted from uh, a forested watershed underlain by soil to a reclaim mine that is a lot of um, unconsolidated rock underneath a thin layer of soil and usually a blanket of grassland. Um, and so a real fundamental change in, uh, in the watershed as it moves from being a forested watershed through its active mining phase and then to a reclaimed mine phase. So it's fundamentally interesting. It's also the largest form of land cover change in the region, with current estimates being that about 6% of the entire land area is now in surface coal mining or in reclaimed mines. So what's been your research strategy to try to document the effects, and what are you finding? So there's been a lot of work that's been done primarily by government scientists, particularly some really excellent folks with the U.S. EPA, to document the uh, effects of mountaintop mines and valley fills directly downstream on communities and water quality. And that's led to EPA making some new statements about the standards that mountaintop mines should be held to in the future. There's been much less work looking at the cumulative impact of the many individual mines that have collectively been put into this landscape. And so we're really interested in thinking about a couple of issues here. Um, how far downstream from an individual mine do impacts um, move? How long do they persist after the active mining period ceases? And then how do they accumulate as you move through a river and more and more tributaries are coming in with mines on them? How does that, how does that chemical signal change through time? And so we are finding that, in fact, you can explain a tremendous amount of the variation in water quality across the central Appalachians by only knowing how much of the watershed has been mined. Um, indicating that there is this additive effect and every new mine is going on uh, on top of a background of historic mining. We're also finding very little evidence that mine reclamation is reducing this high ionic strength that's characteristic of alkaline mine drainage in the region, um, even after several decades. So effects persist, and each new mine is adding on top of this background of pollution. Um, And so it's it's a major issue that is of regional importance. Please tell us how long we can expect to see persistent effects. Do we know? I don't think we know. Um, There hasn't been much long-term study of these individual mines, but certainly in looking at regional patterns of the amount of mining versus uh, water quality signature. And the classic signature of surface mining in this region is elevated sulfate, calcium, magnesium, and bicarbonate, and generating really high ionic strength or conductivity. 
And we don't see that the age of the mine, incorporating that into our analysis, doesn't improve our ability to predict water quality. So we don't see any obvious evidence of a dissipation of the signal. And then direct field work that I've been doing in Reclaim, I, along with a group from Duke, have been doing in Reclaim mines that have been reclaimed for more than two decades. Um, The chemical signatures are very similar to what we're seeing in active mine sites. So I can say that at least on the decadal scale, we don't see strong evidence for a dissipation of the, the bulk signal coming out of surface coal mines. And indeed, there are some papers that report that we still see sulfuric acid emerging from coal mines built in Roman times. So there's the potential that this impact is going to persist for a very long time. We may not be thinking of decadal, but instead centennial scale elevated water quality problems in this region. You talked about how people who live in this area have observed changes. They don't have the means or the expertise to do the kind of testing that you've done, but they're telling you that the area has changed. What are they telling you? How has it changed? So we have a few uh, friends in the in the Mud River Basin who've really helped us um, get to know people in the watershed and also helped us find places that are um, that are easy for us to access and get samples from. And they talk about how they used to spend time up in the mountains um, hunting for ginseng or hunting for deer or just going for hikes, and they can no longer do that because behind their house there are surface mines, which they're not allowed to access. And even if they did, there'd be no ginseng and there would be no deer to hunt. Um, so it's a real change in their quality of life with respect to the amount of time they're able to spend outside. You also have a lot of anecdotal reports of how uh, it used to be a place full of birds and bird sounds, and now there's all kinds of birds that they don't hear anymore. Um, So a a huge change in the soundscape and the landscape um, in which they live. Given what you know so far, what advice would you have for policymakers in terms of should we allow this to continue? Do we need to change it? What would be the best course? So I'm a scientist, and it's not my job to make a policy decision. But I do think it's really important that we make policy decisions with all available information. And we don't pretend that um, these surface mining permits come with no environmental cost. They do come with extreme environmental cost. And we need to acknowledge that when we make decisions to access coal in this particular way. I think it's going to be difficult for us to ever do surface coal mining in these small mountain valleys in a way that isn't going to lead to water quality problems. It's not my job to tell us what to do. It's my job to say that this is what's happening when we continue uh, accessing coal using this method. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you very much. This American Scientist Pizza Lunch podcast was produced by Elsa Youngstead and Kathy Clabby, associate editors of American Scientist magazine. The magazine is published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Society. 